The Guardian. Support for this podcast comes from Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes creating a professional website for your business, personal brand or portfolio so easy, it's newsworthy. Go to squarespace.com and use the offer Guardian to get 10% off. As the season of literary log rolling draws to its close, we take a satirical look at eight of the big books of the year with The Guardian's John Crace and try to digest what they reveal about the state we're in at the end of 2014. Today's digested read is Northanger Abbey. No, not the Gothic satire published by one Jane Austen in December 1817, but the one freshly penned by the Scottish crime writer Val McDermott as part of a six-book series in which leading writers are invited to reimagine the Austen oeuvre for the Facebook age. It was a source of constant disappointment to Catherine Morland that her life did not more closely resemble her books. Though... By the end of this one, she would be glad of all the distance she could get. Improbable as it may seem in the 21st century, Cat, as she preferred to be known, short for catatonic, had never once left her small Dorset village in her 17 years. Indeed, it was not entirely clear she was aware of anything but the twilight novels of Stephanie Meyer. So it came as some surprise to Cat to be informed by her neighbours, the Allens, that there was a place called Edinburgh in Scotland and that they were inviting her to join them for the festival. To her surprise on arrival in the city of contrasts, intimate surprises and contrasts, Cat found she had been invited to the Highland Ball. She wasn't quite sure why Highland Ball had an exclamation mark, but she assumed it was the style of a Jane Austen parody, and so worried instead about her inability to reel. Fortunately, Mrs Allen had already considered this possibility and had arranged for Cat to have dancing lessons with the enigmatically pale Henry Tilney. For a moment or two, Cat naturally wondered whether Henry was a vampire. But these thoughts were quickly interrupted by her introduction to her new BFF, Bella Thorpe, a young woman entirely her equal in half-wittedness. Oh my gods, said Bella, have you seen this Facebook update? Vampires are like totes cool. And your brother Jamie's a dreamboat. Be a babe and chat to my bro, Johnny, because then we can double date like yeah, hi, cat. I bet you can't help finding me devastatingly attractive, boomed Johnny. Come for a ride in my Porsche and get away from all these proles. I've promised Henry I would join him and his sister Ellie for a walk, cat replied. Don't bother with them, Johnny harumphed. Let's go. Cat groaned deeply with the unfairness of everything. 
Henry and Ellie would now think her unspeakably shallow for going off with a despicable Johnny and never speak to her again. How she longed to explain to them that she had had no choice. She turned, in desperation, to Val. I looked stupid enough in the original, cat meowed, but in this update... Can we call it a revamp? pleaded Val. That's not funny. I know. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done it. It seemed like a good idea at the time, but it just isn't working. All I can do is try to get to the end of it with my dignity intact. What about mine? Fortunately, Ellie and Henry were unusually forgiving souls and had persuaded their father, General Tilney, to invite Cat to Northanger Abbey, their ancestral home. Wow, I feel like a character in a Jane Austen novel, Cat said through gritted teeth before rounding on Val again. Why do you keep making me say this crap? It's embarrassing! Surprisingly, though, both Ellie and Henry were unfamiliar with Miss Austen's works and were therefore unable to remark on the coincidence of their home sharing its name with a gothic pastiche. So Cat was free to indulge her vampire fantasies once more. I'm certain your dad is a vampire, she said confidently. I bet he killed your mum. Uh, no, uh, she died of leukaemia, said Henry, looking longingly at Cat. Now... If you will excuse me, I have been unavoidably called back to Edinburgh. It appears that Bella has dumped your brother Jamie after having a one-night stand with my mysterious brother Freddy. By this time, almost everyone had lost interest in that bit of the plot, and Cat went off in search of more vampires. You've got to leave this instant, roared the General. Cat sobbed all the way back to Dorset. How could she have been cast away so abruptly from her new BFFs? To her amazement, Henry was waiting for her arrival. I'm so sorry, he said. My father threw you out because he thought you were a lesbian. Jesus, Cat sighed, turning to Val again. You promised me. I'm sorry, Val replied. I couldn't resist. I'll make it up to you. You can marry Henry if you want. Digested, redigested. Austin's Twilight Years. Susie Grimshaw reading Val McDermott's update of Northanger Abbey as digested by John Crace. John joins me now here in the studio with the critic Alex Clark. Alex, tell us a bit about the Austin project. Well, they're not they're not kind of copies. Um, they're sort of inspired by. I mean, Joanna Trollope kicked it off with Sense and Sensibility. Um, Emma has been done by Alexander McCall Smith, and we've still got rather kind of intriguingly, I think, Pride and Prejudice by the American novelist Curtis Sittenfield to come. John, I was, I'm interested by the fact that there are two Scots, Alexander McCall Smith and Val McDermott, and you've you sort of made something of the Scottishness, the idea of the Scottish writer taking on this sort of gentle southern writing. Um, well, especially, I mean, Val McDermott, to me, is a very Scottish voice. I mean, I've heard her a lot on the radio, and she is kind of unmistakable, I think. I mean, I have to confess that I think that the Austin Project is a project that, for me, is going nowhere. 
I don't think it actually adds anything. I can understand why you would want to try and get people to sort of re-love Jane Austen. But I think the originals are so good and they're trying to kind of shoehorn a sort of Jane Austen plot into sort of vampires and sort of Facebook generation is just falls flat for me. And I mean, I love Val McDermott's crime novels, but I felt that her heart wasn't in it by the end of it. Do you think it's significant that she's a crime novelist? I was a bit surprised um, that she'd been chosen to do Jane Austen because she's a very un-Jane Austenish sort of writer, really. Well, Northanger Abbey was Jane Austen's satire on the obsession with Gothic novels. And Val McDermott has sort of rather cleverly turned it into our obsession with vampires and well, essentially modern Gothic. So I get the point. Although I also take John point what you do with it beyond that initial kind of rather neat idea is a a moot point I mean I think you are stuck when you're trying to claim that there's someone 17 year old girl in Dorset a middle class clearly a very middle class well connected girl who has never left her village I mean in the 21st century that feels absurd to me I mean you know I'm in general kind of rather more in favour of these sort of literary successions. And there are a lot of them. There are an awful lot of them. Uh, We've seen things that are very sort of mainstream in a way, reimaginings of Bond, reimaginings of Woodhouse. And I think that they kind of fall between two stools. I think obviously publishers and indeed estates really, you know, there are very kind of clear commercial imperatives to doing that kind of thing. I think for the writers who've been involved, say William Boyd with Bond, Sebastian Folks with Woodhouse, there is actually the business of paying homage to a writer that you love and also just feeling yourself kind of in the same bracket, however briefly and however much you have to sort of say that you're not trying to tread in their footsteps. But I think that engaging with writing of the past can sometimes be really interesting and it's often when it takes a less kind of obvious form. So for example, Satnam Sanghera's book um, Marriage Material was a sort of riff on Arnold Bennett's Old Wives' Tale and it was kind of really cleverly done. Uh, Rose Tremaine's new short story collection has got a reworking of Romeo and Juliet where it kind of really makes sense. So I think there are kind of rather unexpected ways to do it and I wouldn't always write those things off. No, I mean, I wouldn't rent as a per se. I just think that... In um, this case. In this case, mm. and I think with Joanna Trollope, I don't know what the brief was, but they seem to have stuck far too closely to the original story and had their own imagination wiped out of it a bit and kind of bolting a sort of 21st century plot right onto sort of what are clearly 19th century characters. I think it's really hard. I mean, what you're talking about, William Boyd um, and Sebastian Folks doing Bond, they, you know, they are of a piece, really. They kind of consistently in their time, whereas this is out of time, if you like, for I me. I suppose one thing you might say is also that the apparently faithful, endless adaptations of Austin are in their way also sort of modern adaptations. They're kind of making them relevant for a modern audience. And how many times do you need to reimagine and can you reimagine something before you think, I'm exhausted now? I guess that's part of the issue. Well, J.K. Rowling liked it. She described it on the cover as witty and shrewd, full of romance and skullduggery, which sounds very un like to me. Well, if I remember, I think Val McDermott put a nice jacket quote on J.K. Rowling's latest book too. Ever the satirist. Well, buy it, read it and make your mind up. Thanks to Susie Grimshaw, Alex Clark and, of course, John Crace. Val McDermott's Northanger Abbey is published by The Borough Press.
For more great downloads, go to theguardian.com/audio.